0: Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. We are so excited to bring you a word, a continued word. Like, we're in the middle of a series called I Can't Breathe. And honestly, two weeks ago, we didn't even know this was going to be a message or a series. But based on the things that are going on in our world, we believe that God is is like shining a spotlight on something that we, for sure, as the church, need to highlight. So last week, we set the tone uh, saying it starts with me, okay? Okay. Type that in comments. It starts with me. It starts with me. Turn to your neighbor and say, it starts with me. It starts with me. So if you missed last week's message, I'm asking you, please go back on Facebook or on YouTube and watch it because it truly will set the tone for where we're, where we're going with this. We knew after our conversation and what God showed us last week that this had to continue. The conversation we said needed to continue. We just didn't know how. So, we could have continued it at a roundtable later that evening or during the week. We could have done a Zoom call about it. We could have posted stuff on more stuff on social media regarding the conversation and what we need to do. But we thought, you know what? No, no, no. It needs to be a series, it needs to go out on the weekend message. It's our biggest platform. In fact, last weekend's message was one of our most watched online messages since we've been doing church predominantly online. That's how critical it is that I believe that God wants this message to go out. So this is what we're doing. We're we're smack dab in the middle of this series. And uh, today's message, I, I think it's so critical because I think when we see things that happen in our world, things like, for example, what happened to George Floyd, I think it's easy because so much happens every day all the time and stuff is just flying at us all the time through the news and social media. It's easy to click on something or comment on something and move on. It's easy to um, say something, oh, that's wrong, but then move on because it's a new day, and then that, that, but we can't. We have to park. We have to stop and highlight what is happening and what is going on and ask God, God, what do you want us to see? And there's a perspective that I can bring as a pastor, but there's a perspective that I cannot br- bring as a white man that others can bring to help us all step into what God wants to show us. That is why I've asked Deloria to be a part of the conversation, and I've asked Kemi to be a part of the conversation. Deloria and Kemi are both part of our church, and they're going to bring uh, some, some background and uh, just some personal experience that I can't bring. And that's what we, we need to learn and grow together. So I don't know, when you look up at us, I don't know what you see. You know, I, when, I, when, I, when I look, I see, I see like this big Oreo cookie. And it, I, I don't know, it just... It just Makes me. Did we bring the Oreos? Did you bring them? You didn't bring them. Oh, that's irritating. I just. Now you might. Okay, I'm sorry. You might. If that made you tense, you should lean into this message, okay? If that rubbed you wrong, I mean, you must be new to Metals Church. I'm just. All I'm saying is this: we're different, okay? They're chocolate. I'm vanilla. Can we just acknowledge it and say that's not a bad thing, but that's a beautiful thing. That we are different, but we're better together. I'm still craving that Oreo cookie. You didn't bring them. Okay, great, okay. So if you're thinking about that, okay, you know what? Let's it's just so we can focus and so the audience can focus and not be thinking about that. Let's shake it up, Deloria. So you go here. I'm going to go here. Otherwise, people are going to be like, oh, I want an Oreo. Oh, I want an Oreo. Uh-huh. And if you do want an Oreo, what you should want <laughs> is a double stuff. And if you don't eat double stuffs and you eat the regular, well, you need to repent right now and you'll have an opportunity to do that. I promise. But I don't know why they even make, honestly. Somebody said they make the ones... You want to hear something racist. Somebody said they make the ones that are just what? There's no, it's all cream. Is that real? Or is that just made up? I don't know, Monk. I don't know. That's wrong. So, okay. So, anyway, and it's okay. See, I I recognize something. We, we in the tension, we still need to smile and look at each other and say, we're different, and it's okay. That's how God made us, and that's okay. So, and I recognize, you know what? I recognize anytime that me as a pastor, or anybody with a platform were to talk about something like racism, I'm going to have people on both sides, and I'm okay with it. So there's going to be people that will hear this message, and it probably already may be happening, that it's going to rub you wrong. And and I hope it does, because sometimes that rub, that friction, that's where we grow. okay? Mm -hmm. Okay? I'm not trying to do that, but I'm just saying if it is, lean in. There will be others that will be on board. Oh, yeah, we need to preach on that. We need to do that. That's good. So anytime you talk on a topic like this, you're going to get opinions on both sides. You will. But here's, here's where God is bringing me. And I'm not there yet, but I tell you what, I'm seeking it. That I start to care less about what people say. See, I want to get to a point where I care less about what the people are saying, and I care more about what my God is saying. Because I believe that's when our world's actually going to change. Don't you think? Yeah. That's why we look at God's word. That's why we look at his truth. Everybody's got an opinion. I tell people, you don't want my opinion. My opinion will land you in jail. You don't want it, okay? But God's word sets you free. Mm-hmm. And that's what it says. And I'm just on board with that. So, in fact, let's get into God's word. Romans 12:2 sets the tone for today. <laughs> you want to talk about caring less about what the world says, about what the world says and more about what God says? Don't copy the behavior or customs of the world. Wow, let that sink in for just a second as we jump on board with what everybody else is doing and what everybody else is posting and what everybody else is saying before we actually do the research and the homework and we get on our knees before our God and ask what he wants to show us because it's individually for you. But let God transform you. Say transform. Transform. Type transform in the comments. He wants to transform you today. He wants to change you today. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way we think. Our thoughts are pretty jacked up when it comes to ethnicity and when it comes to racism. And and, and I think God is wanting to do something so supernatural in this moment. God, will you change the way we think? Will you transform the way we think? There's people that are saying, I don't a racism isn't a thing to me. I've never experienced it. Well, just because you haven't experienced it, experienced it doesn't mean it's not real, okay? I, it's easy for me to say that. I don't think I've ever been discriminated against. But that doesn't negate the fact that it's not happening. So, Kemi, Deloria, first of all, thank you for being a part of the conversation. Thank you for saying yes and saying, you bet I will bring a perspective from, that only you can bring because only you know your perspective only you know your background and your upbringing and your experiences. So I appreciate that. Let's start with a little bit of background. Deloria, let's start with you. I know you grew up in Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. Um, just describe a little bit of your upbringing, uh, the environment you grew up in, the family dynamic. Just talk to us a little bit about that.
1: Okay. Um, I was raised by a single mom. I was raised with three, well, three, it was the three sisters, so me and middle child, and um I grew up in the ghetto, of Colorado Springs. It was very common for, you know, shootings and drive-bys. There was a lot of drugs in the area. Um, honestly, it kind of became where anyone who was abandoned by, like, the police system, like, sexual offenders, they were just, like, thrown, like, near my area, like, right by school. And that
0: was just the environment. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Kemi, yours is different. You grew up in Nigeria, right? That's, that's correct. So speak to that a little bit. Growing up in Nigeria, outside of our country, and and, and what that was like for you.
2: Well, I grew up in Nigeria, and um, my parents are, were strong Christians, and I grew up with uh, my two brothers as well too. So we're a family of five. Um, uh, we were, I would say, pretty much uh, upper middle class. Um, so we were able to afford a lot of things and were content at the same time because of the kind of culture my parents imbibed in us. We also grew up in a cultural society as well, so there was a lot of differences in terms of looking at aspects of the world. Um, I split my time between there and the UK uh, before coming to United States for college. Um, but growing up in Nigeria was a, a different um, uh, scenario compared to the United States. Um, there were times especially where there was uh, Military dictatorship, so it caused a lot of chaos in the country, and you know, it was a country trying to thrive and stuff like that. A lot of times classified as a third world country. Now, majority of Nigerians or Africans, I would say about 90% plus, are black, so whatever the issue is, you dealt with it with the same color of skin, you know, mm. uh, compared to what you have here in the United States
0: something that you just said reminded me of something that Deloria said. Deloria, you talked about with your upbringing. Now you you raised in a Christian home,
1: right? Yes. Yes. But by your
0: mom, your dad wasn't in the picture. In and out. In and out, and your parents were are still, I mean, they're still together, they're still They're still together. Th- yep. Okay. You said something though that that struck me cuz he talked about uh you know, I, when I think of Nigeria, I think well, it's just it's pretty much predominantly black people, but yeah. it's not just black people. There are different like you were and this leads into our next question about being discriminated against. Mm-hmm. And I want you to describe some ways. I'll start with you, Deloria, about like like how have you experienced being discriminated against? How have you experienced racism? The first story I think of, Deloria, is is even different um, shades of yes. black you were talking about, um, which I've never thought about. Okay. Like you described yourself as um, darker, yep. but then there's lighter-skinned mm-hmm. people that are still black, right? And, and there's discrimination even within those realms. Mm-hmm. That was one of the stories you talked about. Talk about that.
1: Yeah, so, um, I mean, you hear like through elementary and middle school and high school, um, but it's colorism. And it's, it's like the light skinned are considered more beautiful or pretty or more fair or more civilized and the dark skin or brown skin are considered complete opposite of that. And um, I remember, um, I think it was middle school, it was this light skinned girl and she was like, well, why won't you throw some bleach on you and make yourself lighter? Wow. And I just, I think that was like my first interaction of like, oh, so I am different. But you're black. And we live right down the road from each other. But, um, yeah, and it, I mean, it's still very relevant today. But um, it's getting more discussed. But that is a very, very real thing.
0: That is something that blew me away when you said that. Mm-hmm. So, technically, you would say two black people, but... They don't see each other as the same either no. in that context. Mm-hmm. Wow. Kemi, uh, I know you texted me and, or emailed me quite a lengthy email. I know that there are stories that you have, very recent stories about um, being discrimi- discriminated against, obviously from, from Nigeria and then living in London for a while. You moved to the great country of the United States and to Omaha area. Describe one or two scenarios of you experiencing uh, racism
2: firsthand? Well, it's kind of hard to pick and select which one, yeah, but sure. um, yeah. where do I start? You know, it's a question. Um, you know, I don't know. Picture a scenario where you're just driving and you get stopped by a cop, and the first question out of his mouth is, Is this your car? He doesn't tell you why he stopped you, he doesn't ask for papers or anything. Um, just straight profiling. I mean, it makes you feel this little, like, do I deserve to have a nice car? Do I, I don't, you know, do you think I can afford it? You know? And um, the most recent one was um, in my garage, just standing there, you know, uh, waiting for someone to come by my son's bike. And uh, a cop pulled up. Initially, I had seen him down the street. He was just patrolling the area or something. Um, but to get to our neighborhood you have to go all the way down well all the way up the hill and all the way around into the, the the neighborhood and to get to us about three four minutes but for him to have done all of that meant that you know he saw a black man stand in a garage mm-hmm. in a nice neighborhood and um, he pulls up and is like is there something going on here and obviously like I stated you know if there's one word to describe African Americans currently in general is the word scared in you know whatever we have going on you know um it's doubting who you are, so we're always in self defense mode because I unleashed to him I was like, "I'm in my garage. what do you want? Can I just stand in my garage and be a person like just normal you know and it could have gone either of two ways, but at the end of the day, I thank God that it went well, you know? So. so I
0: find it interesting that you grew up in a different country for the most part, come to America, the land of the free and the home of the brave, get to the land of the free and the home of the brave, and then you start to experience something that is the opposite of freedom mm-hmm. and the opposite of what it means to, to live equal. I mean, you you also talked about, I mean, you're, you have a college education, very educated man, um, in fact, after your um, undergrad, you uh, the goal was to be a pharmacist, to go to pharmacy school. Describe that a little bit, because that hit me. I mean, you applied, and you applied, and you applied, and finally, you ended up just kind of throwing in the towel on that, which, which talked to that.
2: Well, I mean, I, I also stated that, you know, regardless of the accomplishments we have, we still feel less, and, um, you know, you could be the biggest Christian, you could be the most charismatic person, the most self-confident as a black person, but you still feel this way. And um, I moved over here, went to college, um, you know, in the Omaha area, uh, graduated with two degrees on my way to go to pharmacy school um, after four and a half years of 200 grads. Um, applied the first time, so that would put it at five and a half years, obviously. Um, did not get in, applied the second time. Um, was put on a wait list, um, which was which happened twice. Um, and GPA was good, grades were good, every application was good, um, because after you eventually don't get in, you can send a question as to what the issue was, so that, that way, next time you're applying, you know what to do next time or whatever. Um, but I came to find out that some of the kids I got in before me and some of my friends um were not really qualified and when I say qualified I mean G P A wise and, you know, everything. Because some of the kids we took labs together. We knew that character. They partied a lot, never, you know. But um they knew the higher ups, you know. Were
0: they the parents
2: what, what did not or what domination. What, what ethnicity were they white or were they yes, or sir. White? Uh, they played golf with the dean, they you know, parents donated to the college and all that stuff. And so I was like, is that what it takes to get in? For so my parents in to donate to And you're know? kinda of being bypassed. Yeah. So it was kind of um very hurtful. And so I questioned it a little bit, you know, saying, Hey, should I still I mean if I apply again, what's gonna happen? Would I go through the same situation, you know? And so kind of, like, just started life, you know, and started work, and then, you know, because so, at that time, well, also, I had my school. son as well. I mean, you know, I had my son, and he had to eat, you know, so yeah. I had to start working and stuff, so. Wow. Well,
0: Deloria, back to you for a second. Mm-hmm. Just, you, you talked about, I mean, I, I, just like people might not know, there's a bunch of different areas of Omaha. Colorado yeah. Springs, yeah. I mean, when you talk about a ghetto in Colorado Springs, that, that, yeah, don't you, no, so. I don't, I don't think that at all, Yeah. you know? Um, so not only did, did you live in a very, I say, impoverished area and, and crime-ridden area, but even your family, I mean, I know that your mom and you are, are, are still mm-hmm. obviously together or not, you know, on yes. good terms, yes. but your dad, well, describe the dad situation, because I think that's really pertinent to where we're going.
1: Yeah, so my, um, my dad was very abusive to my mom, and they had a very abusive relationship. Um, he was very, um infused with drugs, marijuana specifically, he suffered from mental illness, and he was just in and out, in and out, always getting, always getting put in prison. Um, yeah.
0: And then your stepdad came in the picture. Yeah, and then
1: my mom got married to my stepdad, and they were together for 11 years, but addiction was a big part that took over, and um, now he's 53, and now he's in prison.
0: Under actually both dads both dads
1: within a week were put into prison
0: just within the last couple oh, weeks oh yeah yeah within the I mean, last couple just, weeks okay
1: uh-huh
0: so let's shift gears for a second and we think about what's happening now in our world and I can give you my perspective and everybody can but I want to hear your perspective we know what's gone down we have you've seen the George Floyd video and we know all, even that's just one of, of many things i think that this is just one that's getting into notoriety and I, and I wrote it down this way. We all are experiencing a lot of emotion. And I know that you have to, like many, have this resentment, this hurt, even this fear. How have you, you're both followers of Jesus, right? How have you been able to remain Christ-like? Or, or have you been able to remain Christ-like? I mean, we can get real here. When it comes to dealing with what you're seeing, whether it's the rioting afterwards or the incident and, and everything, describe I mean, how are you able to navigate that, being a follower of Jesus? Deloria, I'll start with you.
1: I, I think, for me, I always, when I see things like that happen, I always, I feel like I always found my, so I was so me and my husband, we were driving through, we lived in Florida for a while, okay. and um, we were driving to a city, like, for our honeymoon. Um, but before we left, we had to, we were in the south, and we, we had to look at what counties were, like, KKK active. Like, which, you know. And I remember us driving through a county that was, and Andrew told me to tuck my head down. And he had to put a blanket over me for 45 minutes. And um,
0: when I see these things... Wait, same... wait. So you had to duck down in the car... Yes. ...and have a blanket over you, hiding yes. you.
1: Yeah, and I couldn't go in the gas station.
0: Just just on your honeymoon, which...
1: We were driving to... How
0: a... long ago was this?
1: Um, this was in 2018.
0: Okay, so a couple years ago. A couple years ago. Okay, okay.
1: And um, I think for me, I always go back to moments like that. Other things have happened. I can go, it's going to be an all-day conversation. But um, I think at first, I have hate, to be honest. Um, I feel like it's hypocrisy that we're united, but you see division. It's like modern-day leeching and lynching, and I, I get upset, and I have hate, and I'm heartbroken, and I'm like, well, is this just going to be a trend? Is this going to be gone within two weeks? It's just going to be forgotten because there's been so many. And I think that's what I go through first. It's, I, don't even talk, I don't even go into forgiving for days. Like, I, don't even, I don't even touch that. And I get, well, why won't you forgive? I'm not there right now.
0: Man, I appreciate your honesty. One thing that I think you're going to always get from our church is vulnerability, authenticity, and honesty. And the fact that she can sit here and say, I have this feeling of hate. -hmm. That's real. I mean, that is real, and I mean, I don't. I'll never know what it looks like to hunker down inside of a car and have somebody cover me, so I'm safe driving a car in this 21st century. I mean, I'll I'll never understand that. Mm -hmm. So, Kemi, what about you? The, The 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 emotions that come up, and then how you're dealing with those as a follower of Jesus.
2: Well, it's been extremely tough. Um, really, really tough because you want to remain calm. You want to remain Christian-like. But um, when you see stuff like that happen and the emotions that come with it, you get angry, you know, and resentful. I would say my case hasn't been a case of resentfulness, but just anger. And more so towards people who have taken their level of ignorance to a whole nother level with the situation, mm-hmm. even though it's apparent with the facts of what happened. Someone got killed, it took four days for the cop to get one of the cop out of four to be arrested. And all you wanna worry about is the extra stuff that happened after that. Now, it, took, it had to take some, a lot of protest, and a little bit of violence for one of the cops to be arrested. The person who's expressing ignorance, if that was your kid and it took that long for the person to be arrested, how would you feel about it? Mm-hmm. Would you feel like the society doesn't care about me? Would you feel like, wow, they don't care about my family? Just juxtapose it or switch the scenarios, you know? Mm-hmm. And um. So it's been a sense of anger of people just wanting to look at one aspect of stuff. I do not condone violence. I don't condone the extra stuff that happened, but it got to that point. But at the end of the day, now that a little bit of justice has been, I say a little bit of justice because there's a lot of cases out there untouched. There's a lot of Mm -hmm. stuff happening that no one has said anything about over the last many, many years, for the longest decades, you know? And we have this on. I mean, the fact is that what about the ones that are not recorded, where it's your word against the cup, and they get away with whatever? Now it's recorded, and it still takes four days for the cup to be arrested. See, I think, I think
0: that's why God needs, wants us to highlight this. There are so many that are still out there pending. This one's getting notoriety, so the pressure mounts so much that something must be done. And finally something is done. But you said something. What if that was your son or your daughter or your husband or your wife? Um, And it's taking literally, you would expect it to be done in a second. Mm -hmm. I mean, that person killed that person. Why would that person be free for one more second? And it's days. If
2: I did that, it would not, that same night, I would have been, it would have been a wrap. Like, life would have been over for me.
0: And that statement is why we're doing this. It's I just appreciate this so much. This is so big. Um, now we come to a church question because I told this, I think I told you both this when we talked earlier that if there's a place where I think I've failed and there's more than one as a pastor is is it took this to, to get maybe me to speak up even more um, and for that, I apologize. For that, I repent. Uh, but how? I mean, you both grew up in the church, right? You, you did. You both grew up Christian, which is awesome. How, ha, in your experience, how has the church been when it comes to dealing with racism or talking about racism or having these kind of conversations, Deloria?
1: I think that ch- I, I think the church has done an awful job. I. It's like when these things happen; it's excuses. It seems like that's like the first thing that happens in people from the church. It's excuses or it's, uh, it's like this big thing in the room that we don't want to talk about or there's no talk about it at all. And um, I know it's uncomfortable. I know if you have a dominantly white populated church that you may not have understanding, but these things have to come to front. And it's sad when you see a church that is diverse and diversity is beautiful, but at the same time, with diversity comes pain. You have different perspectives. You have struggles that come with each person. And to not acknowledge it, you're not acknowledging that person. And it's unfortunate. I don't, I, and, or it, it's just like, it's, it's like, well, well, we'll just not talk about it. Let's just not talk about it. It's, it's too touchy. It's too difficult.
0: So the church hasn't done a great job.
1: I, for me personally,
0: no, they have not. Thank you for being honest. Kemi? Um,
2: As I stated, I think yesterday, um, I think the church in general, and I said, I've not been to every church, so I don't know what is talked about or what's discussed, but looking at it from afar, I think the church has failed in that aspect. Um, However, regardless of diversity in church or whatever, I think this is an opportunity that doesn't need to be missed. I think everyone needs to take advantage of this opportunity and get it to the forefront, and talk about it. And because you probably have a lot of people in church who don't, have never experienced any backlash or racism or anything, and they don't know what to do or how to go about it. So I think this is an opportunity for us to be able to lead them in that discussion, whether it's for them to go back home and talk to their kids, to say, hey, you gotta be more tolerant. You gotta love everyone. Because God loves everyone, you know. Something as simple as that. Or speak up on behalf of those who have been. So
0: un-affected. you're you're leading into what I, exactly where I want to go, is we want to do something about it. Like, well, we're not just having conversations to have conversations. We're having conversations to be, uh, hopefully, a people and a church that will make a difference. And, and, and start to change the trend of what mm-hmm. you've seen in churches as you've grown up. So, Kim, you started along those lines of, what would you like to see people do? Continue with that. So what, there's, there's a lot of people that are gonna watch this message live and down the road, um, via wh- however they access it. What, what would you say to them? What, what, are, what action steps can they take to st- people that don't know what to do? Okay, how can I make a difference? How can I uh, take a stand? In what ways? What would you tell them? Kimmy, mean, you started on, down that road, Continue down that road.
2: It's time to speak up because we're all in this together, you know. Yeah. We have an anthem that says it's the land of the free and we're all united. And um, <clears throat> I just believe that if we can sit here on stage, my pastor is white, obviously. We have majority of people um, white in the church as well and in other places. If, <clears throat> excuse me, if we can meet together, if we can um, have... Men's group, if we can go out and eat or have fun, or even sports, for example. 75% of the people who play basketball or football are black. You enjoy the game, you look forward to it on Sunday, you have your sports fantasy teams, you use a lot of black players and stuff. It's time to speak up, too. You know, you can't, we're all in this together. You can't just, when it comes to this, you back off, but you enjoy what they're doing for you. They're making money for you. They're doing all this extra stuff. Take the college kids, for example, break it down. Those kids that play football or whatever in college as well, too, when they go home, some go home to better life, some go home to something crazy. And I'm not talking about the NFL now because they have money, you know, and they can overcome a lot. Yeah. But talk about the college kids mm-hmm. where you have black and white. Some go home out west to beautiful homes and some go home to North Omaha to almost nothing. Mm-hmm. So if you go to a college game and you enjoy yourself and you love on all those kids and oh, they're winning games and doing, making the college look good and all that stuff. Now they're having an issue you can't speak up for them. It is time to do that. Get outside of your comfort zone mm-hmm. and get outside of your bubble You know, and I wrote something, if I can quickly, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I I, I said um, not enough people know what's happening outside of their own little world. A lot of folks are living in their own bubble. The unaffected always feel safe no matter where they go, day or night, you know, because they're they're cut off from the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. Not everyone can say that. Um, There's a world out there that people aren't so lucky where you, can do, you, you can't do normal stuff while black. Um, the thing that strikes me is that we all see this police violence and racism, and we've seen it all before, but nothing changes. That's why these protest have been so explosive. But without leadership and an understanding of the problem, or understanding of what the problem is, there will never be change. And white Americans have avoided reckoning with this problem forever because it's been their privilege to be able to avoid it. That also has to be changed as well, you know. I mean, what's privilege? Privilege is when you think something is not a problem because it's not a problem to you personally. You know, what if it was your own? How would you feel about it, you know? If you, want, if you want it to stop, then it has to stop. If you're tired of hearing of racism, imagine how tired we are of experiencing it. Wow,
0: say that again. Repeat that what you just said again, please. If you are minutes.
2: tired of hearing of racism, imagine how tired some people are of experiencing it. These issues are a lot closer to home than you think. Folks need to be aware of the world outside of the bubble. Wow, uh, that,
0: I appreciate your feedback on that. You uh, you even told me about a conversation and even in your life group that you had this week, your men's group, and it was, that was crazy because this conversation is trickling down into our, our we have a lot of life groups um, that where we get real and we get raw and you talked about a conversation you had. Yeah,
2: I did. Um, we had a, a live group as usual on Tuesday and, um, you know, we kind of got into a little bit of, just talking about stuff because the week was heavy for a lot of people unknown to you know it was a really heavy week on what whichever side you know it's emotional and stuff and um i got a call after the live group for one of the members and um he was just saying are you okay and you know like yeah i'm okay you know like i personally i'm okay i like i said before like i handle things a little bit differently you know i've been enlightened been fortunate to be enlightened educated and understand what's going on for me, it's about solutions, and um, he's like, well, I just, you know, even you talking about getting harassed in your garage and stuff like that, and I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, I wish I was in the background just back there. I would have come out and gone ballistic on the cup, and I'm like, yeah, I would have loved to go ballistic on the cup, but I tell you one thing, you know, you'd have gone ballistic on the cup and been able to go back into your home and go to bed. And I would have gone ballistic on the cup and it would have ended different. And that's the difference.
0: Wow. Those are the kind of conversations that are going down in our life groups, which are incredible. And uh, thank you, Kemi Deloria. I know that when we talk, you you have your group that meets and you guys talk about real things. And Mm -hmm. um, maybe yours is part, part about what you guys talk about there or just in general, what can we do? In your opinion, what can we do? What can they do? What can I do? What can we all do to make tangible steps to get to where we believe God wants us to be?
1: I mean, there's a few things, but I think the first thing I would say is, like, just educating yourself. Um, Because I have a white husband, and uh, he had no clue. Like, you know, you hear about slavery or discrimination over the years, Jim Crow laws, you know, the laws have been placed for no interracial dating or interracial marriage. But it was as if all he knew was what he was taught in high school, and that's where it stopped. But our nation was based on a superior and inferior system. We cannot deny that. We cannot stray away from that. We cannot stray away from the sin that made our nation grow. And it reflects today and we cannot ignore those things. And you have to be, and if when you educate yourself, your mind gets open. It, sad, it saddens me when I see people of not only white, of different races, even of my own race. And it's like, there's no education. There's like a limitation to their mind. So it's like as if their heart has a limitation where they can't feel for someone. They can't feel for someone because they're not allowing, they're not, they're not educating allows, it allows you to go deeper, think deeper, feel deeper. and for me, I think that's one. I think having a heart for humanity, it breaks my heart when you see these things happen. It's like, well, let's just debate. Let's have all these debates. And then the issue begins to get clouded. Well, why why, why is it the first thing when these happen is excuses or it's, well, let's just debate. Let's, it, No, it was a human's life getting taken from another human. And um, I think also, too, that these conversations need to keep happening. We have to keep pulling the layers. It can't just stop here. And we can't, we can't be hesitate by not knowing or fears. We, we got to go in because that opens dialogue. So you can feel Even though you may not be able to walk in my shoes, you're talking with me. Like, a lot of people don't ask. And it's sad, but they won't ask how you're doing. And it's but like,
0: you said multiple yeah. people reached out, which yes. warmed my heart. I'm yes, like, okay. That's pretty awesome, and it made no, me feel No, it made me incredible. feel
1: good, and majority of them were white. And I like, hear, are you okay? Because your black friends, they're tired. They're tired, and they're drained. And it's good to check on people, because people people legitimately won't ask. I'm not saying, I'm not here for special treatment or anything. I just want to be known as an equal with you. That's all I want. I don't want special treatment. Are you okay? Because majoritas are not okay. And and you you, you just... Yeah, you need to check on people and. Um,
0: and even last week mm-hmm. when I reached out and said, "Hey, Gloria, I, I need your perspective here," multiple times, and I, I, I'm, it's hitting me now. You thanked me multiple times in the text. Yes. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for asking me. I'm like, wow. Just want to be heard. Just want. Yes. Just want to be heard. Just want to. Just want to know that I matter. I mean, that's yeah. what I. I'm like, wow.
1: Mhm. And I. And it's it's sad when you know you go into church or not even outside of church, but. It's like, well, you know, watch, you know, watch who you, watch who you vote for, or you know that law is going to get passed. And uh, yeah, it's important to vote, but there has been Democrats Republicans in and out of office, and these things are still happening. There's been laws put in place to prevent these things from happening or to put a stop. But look what's happening on the news. I feel like every two, every, it's like every month. There's, it's regard like it's, it has it has to go past the White House. It has to be us because it has to go past that.
0: You bring up teaching. I mean, you're a history major. You're that yes. education is your thing, yes. and it needs to be all of our thing. I think to understand the history behind all this, Kemi, you have. I'll give you guys a, a last word here. Anything else that we didn't hit that you need to that you want to share?
2: I mean, just to add to that, real quick. Um, I think, as I stated before, that we need to bring God back into yes. our systems, government, into the world as well, because I think we're going astray. Um, because I think that might refocus people on what's important, and then secondly, we need leadership as well from the top, those with the bigger platform. I, I feel personally we don't have that leadership right now, and um, it, that doesn't help the situation, because we can only do as much, but we can also start from the grassroots as well too, you know um, And people just speaking out, you know the unaffected, speaking on behalf of the affected. You know, I liken this to, for example, when I go on mission trips. I've been able to be blessed to help those who can't help themselves. Yes. That's what the unaffected has to do for the affected. You know, mm-hmm. when you have, uh, for example, you have a fire service truck going down the, um, the neighborhood street to a house that is on fire. Yes, you know, and I don't get it, but people are people. All, house, all houses matter. All the houses are beautiful and everything, but there's a particular house on fire. And that's, this is the situation. So everyone has to come out and help put that fire out so that way you know, the fire won't affect every other thing. All houses matter, but there's one house on fire and can we address that? Everybody, you know, all lives do matter, I believe that. Yeah. But the thing is don't take the context out of the fact that black lives matter. We need a plain, level-filled equality, justice for all so that way all lives would matter. You know, I think that's important. That's what a lot of people are missing. I'm so glad you brought that
0: up because I, I am going to segue on that in just a second. But before I do, I want to give to Lori, any other thing, any, anything that we didn't touch or that you didn't get to share that you want to share?
1: Um, I just, I think one thing I have to say is, uh, well, I mean, I'm not going to, yeah. I think that uh, as Christians, I just don't know what happened where we just stopped bleeding for people. Like, where in the Bible is this, like, if Jesus was here, he would be going for those that, can't, those that are being wronged or can't speak for themselves or are trying to speak but are being muffled out. Mm-hmm. Jesus would have done that. So we should be reflecting that every day of our life. And, uh, yeah, so I think we just need to bring God back. And because it's, it's showing all chaos. Chaos erupts when God is not, like, you know, when, when God is not a part of that. Chaos is gonna erupt. So God's not part of racism. He's not a part of police brutality. He's not part of violence. And I think so too that I was talking to one of my friends, um, I had a white friend. We were talking about this and he was like, well I have black friends and um, I have black members in my family and that's, that's great. But you know, are you, are you saying the N word behind my back? Are you indulging racist jokes? Cause that's great. Are you,
2: different are you someone them?
1: different? And, yeah, we have – and that is your heart check. And if you're getting annoyed or burnt out – yeah, I understand you're getting burnt out because it is straining, but you're like, ah, oh, let's just stop talking about it. It doesn't matter. You know, everyone has their problems. There has to be a heart check getting done then.
0: Boy, I love – you brought up the legislature and the law, and, and, yeah, that can maybe move a needle, but it's not – it's the heart that's, that has to change. Not the law, okay? Mm-hmm. It's the heart that has to change. You keep going back to that. Kemi, you do as well and you you both brought up something that we we, we have to address, and and I've heard people on all different facets here. Um, uh, First of all, thank you both. Thank you so much for this. This is so good to hear, and so good to get some actionable things about what we can do as a people to get to where God wants us to be. You both said it, God has to be in the equation, right? Mm -hmm. The reality, racism is real, okay? it is a real thing. We have to address it. The truth is it goes against everything God wants. It goes against the very heart of God. So what do we do about it? We hear Black Lives Matter. And I know you've said it, Camille, you've said it too. We get all lives matter. I get it. We understand. But, but I liken it to, you bring up the house and the burning house let me, let me put it in a biblical context. Jesus was teaching a parable one time about God's love and the kingdom of heaven. And he said, if a man has a hundred sheep and one gets lost, one goes astray. He said, wouldn't the man leave the 99 and go after the one? Mm-hmm. Question, do all hundred sheep matter? Yes. Do they all matter the same? Mm-hmm. Yes, they all matter. But, but the 99, are, are, they matter but the one is 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 what matters right now because the one is vulnerable the one is hurting the one has been marginalized the one is is crying out for help because i need it so the one matters say the one matters the one matters the one matters in fact you just said the title of today's message the one matters so yes all lives matter yes but we have to go after the one because the one is what, is what is being highlighted right now. Not elevated as better than, but highlighted as will you go after the one and bring it back to the fold so we can come together because we're better together. And check this, the 99, think about what they could think. I've said this before, I gotta say it again. They could say, oh my gosh, our, our, our shepherd, our leaders going after the one he's leaving us, but they're, they're not thinking that. Some, see, we are in this context sometimes. Oh, we're elevating uh, the black community, and uh, no, 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 you're, you're missing it. We're not. What the ninety-nine should be thinking is, oh my gosh, if he'll go after him that way, well, he'll do it for me when I go astray. He'll do it for me when I've been marginalized. He'll do it for me when I'm considered less than. He'll do it for me when I'm being persecuted. And maybe you're thinking, well, I'm not marginalized. I'm not discriminated against. I'm not, um, I'm not put out there in that way. Okay, well, you should probably praise God, shouldn't you? Because a lot of people are. And we need to recognize it. And just because it has an impact on you doesn't mean it's not real. We've said that before. He leaves the 99 for the 1. And the 99 are like, wow, the love of the Father And I wonder if God is looking down. I know he wants to look down and say, wow, the love of my children. Wow, the love of my church. That they would go after the one right now, in this period, in this time, in this season that is out there. Will we we do that? I saw this picture and you can check it out. It'll maybe illustrate it if, if I'm not doing a great job check this out so yeah black lives matter we didn't say only black lives matter we get it all lives matter but right now we need your help right now we need you does that picture help? I hope it does it did for me I'll go back to the heart it's a heart issue it's not a sin issue. Excuse me, it's not a skin issue. It's a sin issue. That's what it is. First Samuel 16, 7. Last week I shared that I believe that God wants to give, give us his eyes to see. To see color and say it's okay. You're, you're created beautiful. You're created in my image. You're created and you look different. But you're beautiful and you're my child and you're in my image. Regardless of how, how you look on the outward appearance. Samuel sixteen seven, The Lord doesn't see things the way we see them. Oh my gosh. God, will you give us your eyes? People judge by outward appearance. This is the word of God. Get off of social media for a minute and get in the word of God for 10 minutes a day. It'll change your days. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. You you both brought up something when it comes to education, when it comes to history, when it comes to privilege. See, we want to believe that we're beyond white privilege or that kind of thing. We're not. It exists. It is true. And we have to do what we can as God's bride to eradicate it, to get rid of it. Because God, that is not the heart of the Father. Let me just give you the scripture one more time. 1 John 3 17 and 18. If someone has enough, enough goods, enough money, if someone has enough to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion. If there's a word I need you to take away from this message, it would be compassion. That we would have a compassion for what is happening to our brothers and our sisters compassion, something that that Jesus was in the business of showing over and over and over. Jesus had compassion. Jesus had compassion. Jesus met them with compassion. We see it all over scripture. But you show no compassion. How can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. God, God let us be a people who won't simply point out the problem, but that we would be a people that will do something about it. Oh, eventually, church, we need to move from just commenting and clicking about how how everything is wrong and step into a conversation about what you and I can do about making things right. This is the church, not called to make a dent, but called to make a difference. Do you want to make a difference? I hope in your heart that you do. It starts there. It's where it always starts. We'll go back to our original scripture, Romans Romans 12.2. Transform us, changing the way you think. You know how you change this? You change this. And you know who can change this? Not you. God's got to do it. God has to do it. Legislation, we've already determined that can't do it. The White House can't do it. Your neighbor can't do it. Your friend can't do it. Your spouse can't do it. Your pastor can't do it. God has to do it. God has to change their heart. When Peter preached the first church message in Acts 2, by the way, they were still dealing with, even after he preached that message, they dealt with racism. Peter, the one who preached the first church message, he would, he would, be, be almost telling Jews and Gentiles, no, 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 we can't do this. And Paul had to come in and correct him. Evil and corroding thread that wants to infiltrate every area of our society. And honestly, the devil's done a pretty good job infiltrating, but now it's time that the church, say the church, church. the church, type the church. The church rise up and do something. Not just talking about it, but doing something. That's what Peter did. The Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit fell, Peter, he preached a message so boldly. You know what it says in Acts 2? You should read it this week when you're in your 10 minutes a day for the rest of your days. Acts 2, it says this. Peter preached the gospel. Jesus Christ crucified. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and he is crucified, and he was dead. And he was. He just didn't say it that way. That's the gospel. That three days later, Jesus Christ would break forth from the tomb. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the reason that you and I can have faith. It's how that your heart can be changed. It's how change can happen and what we're talking about now. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, the greatest miracle in history. See, the Bible says that when you believe that Jesus Christ is God's son and that he died on a cross and he rose from the dead so that we might all, say all, all, have a chance to live with him in us, to live for him and live with him forever. We can all have that. Peter preached that, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Acts 2, the words pierced their heart. You should read it. It pierced their heart. Didn't pierce their mind yet. It had to pierce their heart first. Do you know what they said? Here's what they said after it pierced their heart, the word of God. What do we do? Not what do we say. Not what do we pray. Not what do we just talk about and then move on. What do we comment on? What do we post? What do we do? And Peter told them, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent. Repent. Turn. Turn from your ways. Turn from your thoughts. You can't do it on your own. Jesus has to be in you. So for somebody, oh Lord, for somebody, God is in this moment asking you to call on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, to help you Maybe not just in the area of racism, but any area of your life that you know you're wrestling or struggling or you're losing a battle that Jesus has already won, but yet you're still living in defeat. Why? Because God is calling you to call on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, to repent. That means change directions, change your direction, change your behavior to move from here to there. Will you do that? If you want to do that, you want to believe that, you want to start living that way? You want to start making a difference, a difference that God has created you to make? The purpose that he created you for, it starts here. Just type, I choose Jesus in comments. Oh, I've already done that. Okay, I'm going to say it again. Any area of your life that is off track, that you know isn't in line with God, today is the day you get it back on track. Type I choose Jesus in comments. Text I choose Jesus to 474747. This is just the beginning. Typing those words doesn't save you. Texting it doesn't save you, okay? That's just declaring that you're doing it. That's so we can walk with you and love you and celebrate with you. But it's gotta be you in your heart that you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. I had a young kid text me this morning, 16 or 17 years old. He asked me the question. I can't wait to meet with him. He said, what, what, how do I get to heaven? And, he, and he's like, do I do more? Do I do this? I loved it. I'm like, here is a young teenager asking, what do I do? I'm going to give him the gospel, just like I'm giving you. I'm going to teach I'm gonna I'm going to give him truth. I can't change his heart. I can't change yours. God can. We need a heart transplant. For us to live the way that God wants us to live, in unity and in love, We need a heart transplant. I choose Jesus. Will you accept the radical, reckless love of a king named Jesus? Will you accept it? I pray that you do. Because when Jesus has all of you and you give him all of you, well, not only will you never be the same again, the world will never be the same again. I love you so much. I'll do whatever I can to walk with you and love you. God loves you way more. And he is, he's is he got th- this message. This message will actually continue at least one more week into next week. He has so much more for us. And I can't wait to see what he has in store. We believe the best is truly yet to come. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much. Oh, God, your word, your truth, your unity, your love, it's so transcendent, but yet... In many places in our world and in our nation, we're not seeing heaven on earth. You declare we can. and you, de- you declare we even should. We just don't. That's why we're speaking into this. God, I thank you so much for Kemi and Deloria sharing their experience, sharing what's real. I mean, it's real. It's, it's what they've lived. It's what they know. God, their vulnerability, their authenticity blows me away. I pray that you will use this word, God, to, to, well, like you did with Peter's words, pierce our hearts. And, and, and like we shared last week, that you would point out anything in us that is offensive, that we're not right. God, I pray for the people that are making decisions, that are choosing your son, Jesus Christ. He is the answer to our deepest need. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. There is no other God. God. It is Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God who we need, coursing in our heart, through our veins, and in our soul. When that happens, change happens. God, have your way in this message. Do what only you can do. Give the people the courage not just to hear, but to do. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, and we all say, amen. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope this message challenged you, inspired you, and most importantly, equipped you uh, to be the change that we know that we need to see. It's so important, man, this message is critical. If it did, if it blessed you in any way, I pray that you would share this message. Man, that you would click share and get the word out so people can hear truth and and get a perspective that maybe they didn't know before. So, And for those of you that give to the ministry to, to, to help us bring the word and continually get it out, Thank you for doing that as well, man. You are investing in indifference and in life change. So I love you so much, and God loves you more. God bless you.